So who do we trust, huh? Like always, me and Dee. Welcome to Me and Thee and Three, a Starsky and Hutch fan podcast. I'm Jen. I'm Monica. And I'm Rachel. And I am back in Madison, Wisconsin. Yay! Although you brought the rain with you. I did bring all the rain. I don't know if any of you have been following weather reports lately, but Madison has just been in a constant state of flooding for the past few weeks. Uh. We are safe and dry, but it has certainly caused... Uh, some difficulties in our city. It's not often that I think, thank goodness I don't have a basement, but <laughs> thank goodness I don't have a basement. It's true. We we had not been affected. And thank goodness we took a nap on the day of the storms and did not wind up driving into the worst affected areas, which yeah. we would have done otherwise. Yeah. I, I was going to actually go out shopping that evening. I'd been thinking, but then it was raining so hard. I was like, I don't want to go out in this. So I didn't. Good you didn't. Yeah, especially since, like, the streets that flooded that night were around my house. Right. So you guys are still stuck with all three of us because we all survived the storm. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, speaking about driving, Jen, you had an interesting story about a car. I did. So, uh, as I said, I, I have come back to Wisconsin, but my family is still in New Jersey. And last week I got a series of texts from my younger brother and he was sending me pictures of a Torino, uh, a striped tomato. And then he called me and he explained that he had been driving home from work and all of a sudden he noticed in front of him there was a Starsky and Hutch styled Torino. And he followed the guy, hoping that he would, uh, you know, stop at a stoplight or something so my brother could take pictures. And then the guy pulled into his driveway. And so my brother pulled up uh, to the side of his house and stepped out and said, hey, you have a Starsky and Hutch car. That's really cool. Uh, And the guy was like, yeah, do you want to take pictures of it? And my brother said, sure. My sister has a Starsky and Hutch podcast. She'll really want to see these things. So that got the guy excited, apparently. Um, And he was telling my brother that the Torino is technically not the right year. um, So it is not an identical uh, replica of Starsky's car. But he did get the paint job done. And apparently he got it done at a local Meineke who were more than happy to do it for a fraction of the cost of specialty detailers. And we'll be posting the pictures of this Torino on our website the guy the gentleman uh, who owns the car just rec- uh, requested that we blur out his license plate but he was all too happy to share the pictures of his vehicle uh, and it's super cool and in the um the back window there is a fake street sign and it says starsky and hutch drive So this guy is clearly a super fan uh, and was very happy that someone, uh, my my brother is um, not yet 30, so someone that young was approaching him and super excited about his Torino. 
uh, seemed to have been a thrill for this guy. So I was very happy to get this call from my brother about a Torino spotted in the wild, and it's good to be known. That is so cool. It's such a cute story, and I'm glad the guy was so happy to have someone uh, ask him questions about his car. Although I'm not surprised at all. I feel like as a fandom person, you often like wear something that signifies your fandom, and then you're really happy when other people get it. Um, yeah, totally. That's really cool. I'm really looking forward to ShareCon. Yeah! It's coming up quickly. It's already September. It'll be October before we know it. Speaking of wearing your fandom, I know a lot of people dress up for ShareCon and not probably cosplaying specifically, although I, I've seen pictures of people cosplaying at ShareCon. I think it's more often Starsky and Hutch inspired fashion. And an obvious way to do this is to wear red with a white stripe uh, or possibly zebra print for Zebra 3. I'm not <laughs> sure about that one, but I hope someone is going to be wearing zebra print. <laughs> probably won't be me. But I have actually bought some red and white striped fashion items recently, and I just wanted to try on a pair of red pants I just got and show them off to Rachel. I'm excited! I have not seen them. I'm excited to see this outfit. <clears throat> it's pretty great. I got to evaluate lots of uh, strange red shirts that Monica <laughs> tried on in an attempt to look the part. Okay, here here she comes. Oh my god, I love it! Oh Thanks. my god! I really like the pants because they're so 70s. They are. The top, not entirely sure it's so different from anything I've ever worn. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's I think it looks fun. really good. This is the first time yeah. I've seen it together. It's super cute. You guys are going to love it. <laughs> I, I'm Oh man, it's and perfect. And the pants look very comfy. They are? I'm super looking forward to ShareCon. I need to work on my own. Well, I'm going to have one outfit, I know for sure. I don't know what I'm going to wear the other days, but I know what I'm going to do for one day. But that's a secret. I mean, it's not actually a secret if you've listened to this podcast. (laughs) But if you haven't listened to that episode, it's going to be a secret. Sadly, I will not be able to join Rachel and Monica at ShareCon, but I am looking forward to lots of pictures and lots of anecdotes when they get back into town. And I think they might also be conducting some interviews while they're there. So we'll have some more podcast content uh, post-ShareCon from Mm. other fans. We definitely are going to have podcast plans. So we will let you guys know about what those are when we we can. It'll be exciting. And Monica has now rejoined us. (laughs) One thing I'm looking forward to, uh, particularly with ShareCon is the vid dance party. Yes! And I've heard of other cons that have vid dance parties, and it just sounds like such a fun idea to have uh, vids with upbeat songs playing on a large projector, and then everyone just dances. I think I would get distracted and just end up watching a lot of the vids, but, you know, that's that's a risk I'm willing to take. Uh, so I'm definitely excited for that. That sounds awesome. And one vid that I saw uh, recently uh, is Flamingo's Discovery Channel. And I don't know if that's really a dance song, but it's such a fun vid. 
and I'll mm-hmm. post a link in our show notes. Um, it is available online, despite what the fan lore page says. She posted it to a solstice calendar a couple years ago, and uh, I forced Jen and Rachel to watch the vid with me <laughs> because it's so lovely and so funny. And uh, my favorite part, I think, there are a lot of great parts. It starts out so strong with the uh, sweat baby sweat to them in the steam bath. But near the end, it compares Starsky's dancing and Hutch's dancing to like bird uh, mating dances. And it's so perfect because it's got Starsky shaking his butt and then a bird shaking its butt to another bird. And then Hutch doing his really bad dancing from Disco Mania where he's just like flapping his arms. And then it's got like an ostrich or something flapping its arms. It's genius. It's a, it's a really fun vid, and I've always had a, a guilty pleasure fondness for the bad touch by the Bloodhound Gang. I actually once did it at karaoke with coworkers <laughs> because I thought that would prove I was cool or something. Uh, spoiler, it didn't. Um, but it, it is a fun song, um, and I love that it has the line, um, and then we'll do it doggy style so we can both watch X-Files. <laughs> Which just, I feel like it's it's such an absurd lyric and it means that the vid has to be used for fanish purposes. Mm-hmm. Because, yep. you know, porn and X-Files, where else are you going to find that intersection? <laughs> Fandom. It's true. Would Starsky and Hutch watch X-Files? Yes, in fact, there are some fic in which they watch X-Files oh. and talk about it. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. There might be more than one, but there's one I'm thinking of specifically, I think from last year's advent calendar, and I think it might have been by Dawn Wind. But I could be wrong, so don't take my word for it. (laughs) But don't take my word for it. I feel like Hodge is the kind of person who, just to be contrary, would declare how much he loves the seasons that Mulder's not in. (laughs) Um, that would be super contrary and Starsky's just like what is wrong with you you don't actually believe that you can't actually believe that because if you did I don't know how I've been married to you for 20 years (laughs) after uh, oh there's a puppy aw puppy a puppy out the window we also have a Callie in the window Callie has made a habit lately of coughing up hairballs on top of our froggy bear uh, pillow and uh, sometimes on Hutch, but never on Starsky. So I think that this means that uh, like Rachel and myself, Callie is a Starsky girl and uh, Monica is very outnumbered. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. There are plenty of Hutch girls on the interwebs. Yeah, most of I feel like I mostly run into Hutch girls on the internet. I think it's pretty evenly divided. I think in some areas there's more Hutch girls, in some areas there's more Starsky girls. Mm-hmm. When we posted our last episode, Ilana commented that we'd brought up the Synanon cult because they had left a rattlesnake in someone's mailbox, and Jen had a nice parallel between that and Satan's Witches, in which a cult leaves a rattlesnake in Starsky and Hutch's fridge. In which? (laughs) (laughs) That was not even a joke. Um, (laughs) And Ilana said, oh, did you know that Paul Michael Glazer was in a made-for-TV movie about the Synodon cult? 
And none of us had known that. So I was delighted uh, that there's a copy on YouTube, so you can watch it very easily. And it's from the the early 80s, and Paul Michael Glazer looks great in it. He does look great mm-hmm. in it. And he plays a newspaper uh, editor. No, a newspaper writer. Well, he and his wife own a newspaper. They both edit it and write it and stuff. Um in a small town that the cult is based in. And so this town has sort of a strange relationship with the cult, uh, but for the most part, it's positive because the cult does a lot for the town, and then the town feels uh, defensive when the the cult is attacked, but then the cult starts doing shadier and shadier stuff, and this newspaper then starts putting out very critical articles, and then the newspaper is targeted by the cult. We didn't actually watch the whole thing. Uh, the audio um, was okay, but not great. So we were having some trouble hearing some of the dialogue and decided to just uh, watch it later. But what we saw of it was quite good. Yeah, it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of fun to watch, and and I think I will want to watch the rest of it at some point. It seems like a funny coincidence that this existed, and I'm glad that I brought it up in the last episode. Uh, otherwise, Ilana would not have had the um, reason to tell us about that. But it was, it was certainly enjoyable, and I feel like the the art of the um, made for TV movie has been somewhat lost in recent <laughs> years. You basically only get them ones made for kids, and then like Hallmark movies. Um, but these kind of like trashy true crime made for TV, ripped from the headlines stuff uh, in full movie feature length form uh, are a little out of style and it's fun to look back and and see what people were doing. We also, um, on the watching things front, we finally got a chance to watch the movie Car Wash. um, Because we wanted to see Antonio Fargas in one of his uh, other iconic roles. Um, And it was a really interesting experience. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I think I might be the only one of us who like really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I think the sort of ensemble cast without much of a plot, like every, all the characters were doing their own thing, but there wasn't really one overarching plot. And I think that style's typically just not for me, but it was it held my interest and it was well acted and it was definitely such a cultural moment uh so a historical moment it was interesting to see that i really enjoyed like the slice of life interpersonal relationship focus and like just like how sad parts of it were Mm. but also how like joyful other bits were and it was just it was it was i really enjoyed it and i really enjoyed antonio fargus in it yeah he was great and and i think it was a well-made film I think I would have enjoyed it more if it were like a TV show, um, if I'd gotten to know those characters more, because I kept wanting more of particular characters, and there just isn't room in a a movie with that many characters that's just showing you one day uh, to really explore any of them in depth. So um, it may not have necessarily worked for me as a film, but I could definitely see the value in it. We were Googling around. Apparently it's one of Michael Bay's favorite movies, <laughs> which is hard for me to wrap my brain around because um, there are no explosions. I mean, there's like a, a jar of piss that's almost an explosion. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> so that was an interesting factoid. 
Also, I think you found the factoid that it was originally planned to be a musical. Yes. Which does make sense. There are two music numbers in the movie, I think. Maybe three? It's not a musical as it is, but it's definitely almost halfway there already. I think it was originally planned to be a stage musical, a Broadway musical, and I I think that would have been very effective. And it makes sense timeline-wise. I mean, that that was the era of... um, a chorus line in particular, um, if we're if we're thinking about musicals of the era that were ensemble cast, each person has their own thing going on and they're tied together um, just by this setting that they all happen to be in. That makes a lot of sense to me in terms of the history of musicals um, that it was considered for that purpose. How can we go back in time and force them to make it into a musical movie? I mean, I'm a little surprised, honestly, that they haven't tried to turn it into a Broadway musical in the vein of Hairspray or um, some of the other successful film to musical adaptations that we've seen in recent years. I think it would probably work really well. You could use, you know, the the songs that were in the movie already and then have somebody write more songs and, and really flesh it out. That could be a cool theatrical experience. So I don't think we have to go back in time. I think we just have to produce it, clearly. But I want Antonio Antonio Fargus to have a number as Lindy. He could still be there. That's true. He still looks good. That's true. He's Antonio Fargus. Just cast him again. Exactly. Okay. You Yes, you have, you have convinced me that we do not <laughs> need time travel. As cool as that would be. Antonio Fargus' entire existence is time travel. <laughs> He's immortal and eternal. I mean, absolutely fair. So I've been, like, super into um, single parent stories right now. So I was, like, imagining, like, these AUs where one of them's a teacher of the other's kid and they meet and fall in love. And, like, I had, like, specific, like, ideas because I think Starsky would, like, prefer to be, like, an elementary school teacher and Hutch would be prefer to be a high school st- uh, teacher so like you have like different dynamics depending on which route you wanted to go but like it would be really cool and fun and you could have a lot of like it's just a really good trope and I think that it would be really good with Starsky and Hutch I think that's definitely true I could definitely see like Hutch as a high school English teacher or oh something my god yes to that effect <laughs> and maybe like Starsky maybe Starsky had a girl before the war and then he went off to Vietnam, and he didn't know that she had a kid. Ooh. And so then, like, years later, he, like, finds out that he has a kid, and maybe the kid's been having trouble at his school where his mom lives, and so she's like, well, maybe it would be good if you got to know your dad, and maybe try to start over somewhere else. And so she sends the kid to California, and all of a sudden... Starsky as a teenager. Oh my god! And then you have Starsky trying to figure out, like, how to, like, interact with his child and, like, dealing with that and then also, like, meeting his kid's hot teacher and, like, oh, that's so good. And maybe the kid starts to bond with Hutch. Like, maybe he's even making a better connection with his English teacher than he is with his bio dad. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna cause, like conflict but not really conflict because Hutch is invested in this kid like adjusting and succeeding and he wants to 
work with Starsky to make sure, like, the kids' needs are being met. Oh my god, okay, so Starsky tells Hutch, like, at, like, at one moment, like, you know, like, you should have been, you should have been this kid's dad, and then Hutch is like, no, you're doing your best. (sighs) It would be beautiful. And I, I, the reason that I suggested this is because I think one of the biggest problems with the single parent fic is that you either wind up fridging a woman or you wind up making her terrible uh, so she doesn't, like, want to take care of a kid anymore. Like, I feel like when I see this trope, that's often what happens to get Mm -hmm. the mom out of the picture. Um, And I understand, like, for the sake of the trope, sometimes you need that. And if it's a case... Like, Monica was saying that this uh, trope existed a lot in X-Men First Class fandom and saying that Magneto, you know, lost uh, a loved one and has kids and is a single parent is basically canon. So in that case, why not go for it? But I think, like, there are more creative ways to, to work with the trope where you're not completely dismissing a woman, but you still wind up having this guy has to deal with being a single parent. This discussion uh, is a good opening for an art rec. Uh, and the artist is Kenneth Hutchinson on Tumblr. So if you go to kennethhutchinson.tumblr.com, they have an art tag and they draw a lot of Starsky and Hutch art. And they particularly like drawing Starsky and Hutch with future possible kids that they might have. <gasps> There's one drawing... Uh, and they have a headcanon for different children that Starsky and Hutch have with Terry in an AU where Terry lives. And so here's an older uh, Starsky which with some of uh, oh his and Terry's and Hutch's and Terry's kids. So if you're into the idea of Starsky and Hutch having kids, uh, check out their art. Uh, They also have a lot of adorable pictures of just Starsky and Hutch if you'd rather see them without kids. Especially like Starsky in his cut off jeans. uh, That's a nice one. And they do some um, like meme meme drawing where like if there's a joke that's getting passed around fandom drawing that joke but with Starsky and Hutch as the characters in it. (laughs) If that makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I, I need to check out more of the current uh, fan art that's existing in Starsky and Hutch fandom. I don't know how many people are doing it, but it's interesting to watch trends in fan art style change over time. And here's something you probably weren't expecting to see. Huggy, Jillian, and Terry as furries. <gasps> oh my god, that's amazing! Or not furries, as um... I, all right, I they guess. look like furries. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'm not. I'm not sure. Anthropomorphic the, animals are furries. Anth- anth- yeah, personas. Yeah, sure. I mean, so is Huggy a bear? Ah, <clears throat> uh, no, he's a. Oh that's, yeah, you're right. He is a bear. Yeah, a very thin bear. I mean, he is a very svelte bear. Yes, that's just like mermaid. <gasps> oh my god! Can you commission this person to make trash mermaid Starsky? Ooh, I I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want in this world. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to see somebody doing that sort of cartooning style. Well, I can appreciate like the intricate photorealistic art of old zines. Um, that's not what you see so much anymore. And so it's, it's fun to see that, that changing stylistic preference over time. 
Yeah, there's so many different art styles that I love, and seeing the full spectrum of art styles with Starsky and Hutch is just great. So speaking of Starsky and Hutch fan art, I recently finally read Distant Shores by April Valentine, and this is a Starsky and Hutch classic zine uh, published in 1991, and it has tons of art in it uh, by different artists too. The cover is uh, really pretty and that's by Suzanne Lovett. Ooh, that is lovely. Um, and then it's got black and white art of different kinds and styles throughout. And I like, there's one piece I particularly like after Starsky has found a comatose hutch because it's kind of creepy and metaphoric and I like art that is sort of a creepy metaphor. I don't know. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, Hutch is still in the coma. So, like, obviously this is not an actual position that they're in in the fic, but just sort of mm. you get that sense of Starsky waiting for Hutch to wake up. And Hutch anguished and curled up on himself and naked. Yeah, I mean, he's he's in a coma. So I guess I should backtrack in case anyone listening hasn't read this, <laughs> which seems unlikely. I feel like I was probably one of the last people in the fandom to read it, especially considering that I am into Hurt Hutch, and this is a classic Hurt Hutch story. And the plot is that after Sweet Revenge, Starsky and Hutch admit their feelings to each other. Starsky comes home from the hospital. They have like one night together. And then the next day, Hutch disappears and is missing for years. Starsky, you know, gets himself back on the force. I think he even gets promoted. Um, I read this uh, like a month ago, so forgive me if I'm missing details. And he he never stops searching for Hutch. He believes that Hutch is still alive, but uh, no one else does. And eventually there's some new evidence and he's able to track down Hutch in Australia of all places. And Hutch is in a coma. Hutch does eventually wake up, as I'm sure you could guess. But then he has a very long road to recovery. And uh, he, he's he got memory loss. He His, his body is, you know, atrophied. And he has brain damage. Uh, and so Starsky has to have a lot of patience and, and work with him. And, and there's a lot of healing. And, you know, it's a very... It's a hard story in many ways because the author doesn't shy away from the idea that none of this recovery is easy and and it you never get back to where you were before after something like that. But it does have a happy ending. The author did a lot of research. She has a note that I thought was pretty interesting. So she writes in the preface that... Uh, in 1984, she sat up in bed one Sunday morning and turned to her husband with the question, how long does somebody have to be missing before they're declared legally dead? <laughs> <laughs> the answer was seven years, and that wouldn't work, I reasoned, because it had only been five years since the original airing of Sweet Revenge, and I wanted to write about Starsky and Hutch as they were at that moment. The idea came from a simple thought. What if Hutch disappeared right after Starsky got out of the hospital and it had been a long time, and only Starsky believed he was still alive somewhere. So she goes on to write about how much research she did for this story, which involved going to medical libraries, interviewing doctors, uh, studying on Australia, 
and and the idea of doing all that research before Google. I mean, I know libraries are great resources, and I've certainly learned a lot from books. It's not like I've only learned on the internet, but <laughs> the limitations of books uh, compared to being able to read from so many different uh, sources on the internet just seems kind of exhausting. But I'm glad she went to all that effort because I think uh, she, the story definitely benefited from it. That's amazing. Just, I mean, the fact that the answer to the question, how long do you have to be missing for you to be declared legally dead? That's the kind of thing where obviously you can find it in a library if you need to, but it's going to take a lot more steps than putting that question into Google and getting an answer immediately. Yes. Uh, so the amount of legwork is is remarkable. When you first told me the plot of this fic, I really hoped that Hutch just had amnesia and was working on a boat in Australia, but that's like the plot of the search for Cyclops in the <laughs> <laughs> X-Men comics. So uh, I, I'm a little glad that it, it went a more original route and a more realistic route Presumably Hutch also did not have the spirit of apocalypse inside him. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I read that fic, though. Fair enough. Well, I want to say thank you for joining us once again. We are, as always, flattered whenever you listen to us. You can find us on iTunes and search for me and the and three in the iTunes podcast library. And if you do listen to us on iTunes, feel free to rate or leave a review if you feel like it. If you want to contact us directly, you can email us at me and the and three at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at me the three. Or you could go to our website. Uh, me and three. Oh my God, I can't say the name <laughs> of our own podcast today. Me and the and three dot com. All right. Uh, bye. 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 What's like runway music? I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan, New York, and Japan. For your party, the way I'm disco dancing. I'm a model, you know what I mean. And I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk, on the catwalk. Yeah, I do my little turn on the catwalk. It'd be wild if they ran Playboy.